This week's podcast brought to you by Fruited Candy. A couple of nights ago, our daughter was coming home late after you and I had gone to bed. So I texted her and said, when you get home, please shut the garage door. But there was a typo. And I had to then respond and say, no, don't beep the garage door, but please do shut the garage door. And she responded, don't worry, I won't beep the garage door. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Within the last two weeks, I brought our youngest daughter and some of her friends um, to a trampoline park, adventure park, I think they call it, but it's where kids can go and um, jump on trampolines. There's a climbing wall. There's um, included in like one area that has trampolines. There's um, dodgeball with like really soft foam balls that that the kids are throwing and stuff. A climbing wall to distinguish it from a freestanding wall that that holds the, the roof up. Right. Um, so we're there and I'm just, the kids are, you know, running around. I'm just trying to keep my eyes on them. So I was thrilled when they all went into the area. There were six kids where they all went into the area that was the um, dodgeball because it was easy for me. I could actually sit down. All the kids are in one place. Easy for anybody to keep my eyes on them. But it wasn't just the, those six kids. There was a bunch of kids in there play, playing dodgeball. One, like they, one on one side, there was a, a, an employee of the place who was who was kind of the referee, telling kids when they had to get out, whatever the rules were, to um to come back in. And my overwhelming thought watching, not necessarily the kids I had brought, but a bunch of the other kids. These are middle school age kids. There may have been like as old as fifteen. When did kids stop learning how to throw a ball? I was I was blown away by the form. I know it's not easy to throw a a foam ball, but when did kids stop learning how to throw a ball? I think the imminent demise of baseball has probably contributed to that. It's it was because most kids grew up playing baseball or softball and learned how to throw a ball. Now they don't. But like, even as a kid, didn't you like throw rocks or you just threw stuff? You'd be in the yard or you'd be in the woods or you'd be everywhere, anywhere. And you'd pick something up and you'd throw it. Like, I don't remember being taught how to throw. I guess my dad, maybe a little bit when we were playing catch, taught me, you know, to step and follow through and whatever. But is it is throwing something you have to be taught how to do so you don't look ridiculous doing it? And and I mean, if I throw with my left hand, I probably look ridiculous, but I was just blown away. I'm like, these kids are prime sports age, prime, you should know how to throw a ball age. And some of them, like, they had no chance of hitting anybody because their form was atrocious. <laughs> you, you didn't tee me up for this intentionally, but I wrote about that in my book, The 34-Ton Bat, about uh, American kids knowing how to throw, that they were expert 
grenadiers, throwers of grenades in World War oh, One. Right. Yes, I remember and this. And they started to develop uh, grenades that were baseball shaped rather than pineapple shaped uh, over the years for that reason because it fit in the palm and you could throw it like a baseball. But um, but I think the answer to your question, when did they stop learning how to throw, may have been at the same time that you started paying a fee and having children sign waivers to play dodgeball in a commercial warehouse with paid referees rather than kids just whipping a kickball at each other on the street or in the driveway or on the playground. I wonder if it's that. It coincides closer closer to that or if it would coincide more closely with video games and the pro- proliferation of video games. Because, of course, the video games you and I played were not anything like the video games our kids play. Um, well, but anyway, I was just it was I, just I, I a would... thought that I was just sitting there looking at all of these kids and thinking most of them don't know how to throw. I would, I would argue that even uh, before video games, one of the ways I learned how to throw was playing board games, picking up pieces and, and throwing them or, or, or throwing the lost. actual board. Yes. Right. When somebody would say, sorry, with the sorry card, something was getting thrown in our house. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was my that was my big observation. I mean, and, and how pathetic how pathetic am I? So this was February. Our daughter, mm. whose birthday way back in February, uh, well, that was as recently as yesterday. Yes, but our daughter was born in mid October, and um, I actually flew home. It was during the WNBA finals. I flew home the morning of her birthday. Well, We've talked was, about she this. She wasn't born this past October. No, she was born mid October of twenty ten. Flew home, spent some time with her, open presents, flew back. But she had asked me around the time of her birthday and probably before her birthday, she's like, you know, I haven't had a birthday party in a long time. She said, this year, could could we have a couple of friends and go to a trampoline park and have a birthday? I said, yes, absolutely. We will do it this year. I will get it done this year. And then October came and went and then November went and then December. And Not this calendar year, mind you. Yes, Right. So anyway, so finally, she brought it up again at some point in January and said, um, could we still do something? And uh, so, yeah, so I had her party in February, <laughs> February, um, and it was wonderful. And the it's kids because- had a good time. I had a great time. But that was that was one of the things I came away with because- was the lack of ability to throw. Because there's, but what you came away with more is they're sixth graders, and it's the last time, not the last time, but the last time that their kids, you know, before they go into their their sulking cave or their, uh, you know, middle school seventh eighth ninth or, or grade. All the weirdness of it, because it was mixed. There was a couple of boys and a couple of girls, and they just played. They just played. They they were they did the stuff on the trampolines for an hour and then went back to a room and they had some pizza. We were done with pizza and the room wasn't very big. We like pushed the table over a little because all of a sudden the kids were playing this game where they were walking around the table and tapping somebody on the shoulder and then they sat on the floor and were playing duck duck goose. And I was just thinking that like this is so sweet watching this age. So there was nothing weird about it. There was no weirdness, but with the fact that it was. Um, not a single sex party. It was it was just really delightful. And you said they were playing what? Duck, duck? Duck, duck, goose, as we call it here. Duck, duck, gray duck, for those of you on planet Earth. Ugh. 
we've talked about before um, when you're purchasing something somewhere and you're asked, do you want to donate money? Do you want to donate to the troops? Do you want to donate to local food bank? Do you want to donate to whatever? Round up. Would you like to round up? The other day I was at Cumberland Farms mm-hmm. and they asked me if I would like to. My purchase was, and I, I have hardly used cash. I've been the Queen of England during COVID, but I got some cash out and I thought I'm going to use cash. This is my way of returning to some semblance of uh, pre-COVID times. Mm-hmm. And I paid for it. It was 705 And the lady said, would you like to round up for the American Cancer Society? And I said, why, yes, I would. I was tempted to say, would you consider rounding down in my favor? But I didn't. And I thought, is there a cutoff? No, clearly. 705, you round up. 701, you would round up. But... uh, but anyway, I've interrupted you again. No, no, that, that's fine. So so that, that's what you're used to rounding up for or making a donation for. This one got me. It was a couple of weeks ago. It was a few days before Valentine's Day, checking out at the grocery. And I was asked, would you like to purchase two, two chocolate-covered strawberries for $4 for EMTs? Would you like, not would you like to donate money? to support the local ambulance fund or the EMTs, whatever. Would you like to buy two chocolate-covered strawberries for $4? First of all, $2 a strawberry, that seems a little steep. Well, and, and and what an odd item for for an EMT. Do they have a special hankering for for uh, uh, candied fruit? I, I don't know. Well, first of all, I love chocolate-covered strawberries. So if I was an EMT, I'm sure many EMTs also love chocolate-covered strawberries. It was I, I prefer- Valentine's Day, but, but it struck me more as... The local grocery store made too many chocolate-covered strawberries. They're not selling, so they want to know if I'll buy two of them for four dollars. W- would you to like donate to, to the EMTs? Did they ask you if you would like to buy uh, some expiring sushi for uh, <laughs> for firefighters? <laughs> no, but you know what? You didn't know this either. The other night, I went to a different grocery store, and it was in the evening, and I grabbed some sushi. It was just California rolls, and I checked out, and the girl said. I've never seen a big uh, a big thing of sushi f- for this cheap. And I was thinking, ooh, mm. that is not the D- good side. Discount sushi. And then our son, I was eating some, and our son said, uh, wow, the avocado is kind of brown. I'm like, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It was on sale. Did you say- Eat your brown avocado you say, California roll. Did you say, can't you taste the savings? <laughs> you know, I, I, I mentioned- uh, do they have some special appetite for for candied fruit? I prefer fruited candy to candied fruit. Fruited candy. Chuckles, lemonheads. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Juicy, Mike and Ike's. Mike and Ike's. Absolutely. We again this year are. Your brother, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law sent us for Christmas a, a vintage great vin- box of vintage candy, and in there were chuckles. And if you know, if you realize that they're no longer in there, it's because I forgot how much I well, like chuckles. <laughs> some of the stuff the kids were horrified by, including and especially Boston baked beans. Oh yeah, I wouldn't go near those either. Chuckles, though, like I'm not a huge fan of the fruited candy, but here and there, some fruited candy can really, really hit the spot. And um, those chuckles were were hitting what the do spot. You th- what else do you think of when you think of Chuckles? Um, I, I think of Chuckles the Clown from Mary Tyler Moore's show, the classic episode, but but Chuckles the candy. The, the, uh, chuckles, what do you think of? 
There's only one answer, so you either know it or you don't. I don't think I do. It was the sponsor of Evil Knievel, and on his his iconic Chuckles Evil was? Knievel jumpsuit, he would have a Chuckles patch, yeah. It really was popped it on? Because my brother had the Evil Knievel van and the Evil Knievel stunt action cycle. figure in the cycle. Was I think your dad it on still that has as the stunt, well? Your dad still has the stunt cycle in his basement, oh, I believe. Does he? Yeah. Is the is the Chuckles patch on the doll's I, I, I think it would have garment? to be. I think it would have to be rendered so small I that you wouldn't be able to see it. I remember that. Absolutely, yeah. So um, that's all I've got on Chuckles, but yeah. Chuckles, you know, now that pro sports teams have uh, have sponsor labels, it'd be pretty sweet if a WNBA team had Chuckles yeah, I as mean, their presenting sponsor. Are Chuckles still made outside of novelty uh, Christmas boxes? I don't know. I don't know. Next time I'm at, uh, next time I'm rounding up from a dollar one to two dollars, I'm going to be purchasing his purchasing chuckles at at the gas station please do a week ago today actually um as we record this on tuesday i flew to minneapolis to be part of the ncaa's press conference um because it was 40 days until the final four the final four the one's final four as we've talked about is in minneapolis and the reason i say ncaa is because during the press conference i had to ask them i said what is it ncaa or ncaa or the worst the worst NC2A. You hear that sometimes. And they were very clear that it needed to be NCAA. So I made sure to to enunciate that. Did you ask if if you could go with NCA? Yeah. (laughs) You said, does anybody call it that? NCA. But the, the way the flights are now, fortunately, Minneapolis is a place you can get to directly from here. But I had to go out early in the morning, landed there at a little after 8 a.m. The press conference wasn't, I didn't have to be there till 11. Then my return flight wasn't until later in the evening. Anyway, I spent a delightful day, minus the two hours of the press conference, which was delightful in its own right, but a delightful day with your sister and our brother-in-law and two, our, uh, one of our niece, two of our nieces and one of our nephews because Minnesota, I've been told, Minneapolis, never has snow days. By me. They had a snow day that day. And your sister let me uh, let me hang out. It was it was just a, like a found day of wonder. Um, I had a delightful time. And I understand you told the gathered audience at the press conference that I had uh, told you I over the started, years. I started by saying my husband, who grew up in this area, every time we have a snow day in Connecticut, that may have been an exaggeration. You don't do it every time. We never had snow days in Minnesota. They know how to handle snow in Minnesota. The roads, you know, here there's a little bit of ice, a little bit of snow. School is canceled. And then I go out there on a day when our kids had school and and school was canceled. And so, yes, that's how I led the press conference. There was a lovely uh, full color photograph of you dominating the, the front of the sports page in the Minneapolis Star Tribune the next morning. People in Minnesota took pictures of it and sent it to me. So I had my sister run out to the grocery store and grab a copy that she's going to give you when you're in the Twin Cities for the final four. You don't want it, but I'd like to have it. I'll save it for you. It um it was anyway, it was it was one of those days that the night before I saw that the weather was going to be terrible in Minnesota and I was like, "Oh man, I've got to get up at 4:30 to go to the airport to terrible weather." Maybe the press conference gets canceled. Maybe I get stuck there. I was not thinking the best of this potential trip. 
your, then, your, your, your first hope was maybe it'll get canceled. Your second hope was maybe you'll get stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then I went out and it was this uh it was this found gold of a day. In in much of it, just sitting in, in your sister's living room and, and just chatting and whatever. Anyway, but it, you, it was wonderful. You're like me in that if something is on the calendar, you start dreading it as soon as it's on the calendar. Especially Including, but maybe even especially if it's like a year from now. But and no. then when you actually do it, when you, well, yeah. maybe I'm projecting on you. you when the, then when I actually do it, it's almost always a happy experience. You're glad you've done it, but it's the anticipation of, of doing it. It's that's, never that way for me with like my work, going to call a game or something like that. It sometimes is that way when it's something like this where I'm emceeing something or going to give a speech or whatever. And, and once you're done, it's always yeah. it's always great. It's never like that for me for work. I'm talking about, you know, like when I'm doing my side hustle as a bounty hunter. Right, right. <laughs> That's when you start getting a little bit, a little trepidation. Um, but this is what I wanted to bring up about my trip. So one of my, um, another person from ESPN, I won't divulge who it is, but somebody I'm very, very fond of, not an on-air person, but um, we were both uh, on later in the evening flights. She, her flight was delayed, so she was um, she was going to be going home very, very late that night. And um, and I said, well, you know, maybe you'll get to fall asleep. I was texting her, maybe you'll get to fall asleep. And she said, <laughs> she said, yes, I will probably sleep. I just hope that I don't start yelling f bombs in my sleep because. I've been told I've been doing that lately. <laughs> so her spouse <laughs> apparently told her that, and I think on more than one occasion recently, she in her sleep, I don't, she's, she's got a lot going on at work, a lot of stressful things happening at work. She's been <laughs> delighting her spouse with, with her F-bombs. <laughs> I will say that if, uh, if ever there were a time in history during our lifetimes that Screaming f bombs in your sleep was entirely appropriate. It would be now. Now would be probably be the time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's very very true. And I told her the story, which I think I've told on the podcast before, where I had the time where I, I woke up after an early morning flight, landed in Hartford, and the guy next to me, you know, have a good sleep. I said yes, and he said you were snoring. <laughs> I said, oh, I was. And he said, yeah, but it's okay. It was kind of cute. And I was thinking, no six four woman snoring on an airplane is. Cute, kind it, of or otherwise. In that case, that guy was doing what I've done as recently as last night. He was shouting f bombs in your sleep. Right. <laughs> he could have been, but uh, and actually, when I flew to Minneapolis, like I said, I was up at four thirty. The flight was at six a.m. And at one point, I woke up on the plane, and but I don't know what dream I was having. Within for the first second, I was awake. I thought. Oh no, I've overslept the alarm. And then I realized I looked around and realized I was on a plane. Went back to sleep. And when we landed and I woke up and I felt like of course you still wear masks on the plane. I felt how dry my throat and nose were. I was like, oh, I was probably snoring. <laughs> Oopsie yeah. daisies. <laughs> you should you should start uh, traveling with the CPAP machine. Right. Can you imagine? Uh, no. in, in in the event of a water landing, the the uh, uh, Pressure change the the uh, instead of an oxygen mask, the uh, the sleep mask will descend and right. So it's March. It's March. We're about to embark on the madness of March. Um, at least in terms of my work and well, everybody who follows college basketball and just an incredible time of year. But 
it's also the sadness of March a little bit because this coming weekend, our son's travel basketball team, I've been he's in eighth grade now, I've been coaching these boys since fifth grade, and it's the playoffs. And so they'll play in a semifinal game on Saturday, and if they win, they'll play in a championship game on Sunday. So no matter any results, I know later this week, I will coach this group of boys for the very last time. And this weekend, I will coach them in a, in a game for the very last time. And it's a wonderful group of kids. And um, when we had a practice last week, I mentioned to them, I said, guys, we, on- we only have the most two games left and we have two practices left. And uh, so just telling them, you know, how to enjoy every second of it, whatever, whatever. And then at the beginning of practice, we always like come in and do, um, you know, a cheer. And uh, so I told the boys, I said, all right, and let's do this cheer. I want you all to do this cheer in your very best fifth grade voice. And it was funny because all the boys are like, one, two, three, you know, doing that. But it's um, the evolution of these kids. And, and I coached our older our daughters' teams, but the, evo- the the change in the girls just isn't nearly the same as it is with the boys. Where you watch these little boys go to, you know, they're into their. Some of them are getting into their men men voices and men bodies. And uh, anyway, I'm gonna be sad. I'm just gonna be sad this weekend and later this week when I coach them for the last time because it's been um, an absolute joy. And uh, that's my sadness. In and a, March. a bunch of them have, most of them have played soccer together for. A- as that that many seasons, you strangely haven't coached them in soccer. Yeah. Um, but uh, but absolutely, and they're not all going to go to the same high school. Many of them will be together in high school. Our, our son won't be, and uh, it is kind of a bummer. And some of them might not play basketball beyond this year. And and I was telling you last week, I can think back to fifth grade when they had the basketball tryouts, and I was in San Francisco at um, Pac-12 Media Day. And you told me, you said, I brought our son to the tryouts. He said, you said, nobody signed up to be the coach. And I can remember texting um, somebody we knew and saying, you know, would you be willing to be the coach? I can be the assistant, but I can't necessarily be the coach. And he said, I won't be the head coach, but I'll be the assistant. Anyway, I've been, it's been myself and then um, a mom and a dad of two different players. And the three of us have coached these guys all along. And um, it's been so, it's been so much fun. So um, this weekend is going to be, I guess they say bittersweet because it's hopefully sweet. Hopefully we, we win both games. Um, but I'm going to miss these little buggers when I'm no longer coaching them. And, and for those who, who uh, can't see us, which is everybody, what does it say in your coffee travel mug? This travel mug out right says, now? well, there's a story. So I have one travel mug that says we interrupt this family to bring you basketball season. That's not that one? No, so that's that's the normal one. And then when COVID hit and everything was shut down, um, this mug was given to me and it says, we interrupt this basketball season to bring you family. So this one's kind of specific to that COVID year, but no, the other one says, we interrupt this family to bring you basketball the season. The one that says we interrupt this uh, basketball season to bring you family, that was specific to COVID. And now that there's no longer uh, a peak of the global pandemic, you can return to basketball and abandon the <laughs> right. family. Right. And I think that was given to you by one of your teams, right? I, it was, yep. This was a gift coach's from gift. one of my teams. Yep. And do you still have the uh, the coach's gift from grade school basketball of one of our high schoolers? They gave you a keychain, like a fabric keychain. Oh, that was on. one of my players gave yeah. that to me. It was a Christmas present. 
It's a wonderful. It's this gift. pink and blue striped fabric keychain that says Coach on it. Embroidered on it. Yeah, it's filthy. It's falling it's, apart. It's, it's like uh, the Shroud of Turin at this point. Yeah. But but you you still cling to that like our, like our daughters. You know, uh, blanky. I, I think or, I was given that when when the, the girls who are now all seniors. I think the girl who gave it to me it was when she was in sixth or seventh grade. Yeah, that's great. I'm. I. You should have a, assemble all of the the coaches' gifts you've gotten over the years, and there've been some wonderful ones in a uh, in like a curio cabinet. You know, like uh, some people collect tchotchkes that they right. dust. My mom loved her Yadro figurines. Well, you know what. Um, it, my favorite thing that I've ever gotten, things that I've ever gotten from kids are the notes at the end of the year. Because, of course, kids, especially when they're little, the boys in particular, they don't know what to write. Thanks for a great season. And then their little signature or whatever. And that actually gets me thinking about something else I wanted to talk about today um, that I forgot about until now is signatures for kids and what prompted oh, it. And this has been sitting on my desk. I saw that on your desk today. And I had the yeah. exact same uh, thought same that you must be having, which is... Go ahead. Okay, so this has been on my desk because I set it aside when I got it. It's um, it's a Christmas, it's a piece of paper with a picture and signatures, and it's a Christmas note from the UConn women's basketball team. I get one every year. I'm sure lots of people get one. It's not actually signed. It's like a photocopy yeah. of um, players' Fact, signature. Facsimile signatures, as they used to say, of the things that come yeah, in baseball wish, cards. Wishing you buckets of joy this holiday season, UConn women's basketball 2021. But what is what is and interesting about most of those what is, quote signatures? What is interesting about the signatures, most of them, is that they're printed. They, they are, are not printed. cursive, yes. Like, you know, uh, it makes total sense. Yeah. So you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of the 12 players who signed this note are in cursive, and the other seven are printed. And the ones plus, that are- Plus the paw print of Jonathan the Husky and, and, and the X that Gino signed. <laughs> right. Um, and the ones that are printed <clears throat> look almost identical to one another. Like the, the, the era of the signature and the distinct signature and, is, is fading And possibly, fast. I mean, I'm looking at, at Paige Becker's, for instance, possibly the, the era of kids practicing their signature dreaming of signing autographs because right. signing autographs is so much less of a thing than it was when we were kids. It's all about the selfie now. All about the selfie. But it's... um. Yeah, it, and in one of the players who has um, written in cursive is Amari DeBerry, who's a freshman. I'll have to look and see if she went to Catholic school because that might explain why she has that. And then you have Nika Mule and Dorka Yuhas, who are both international players. Um, and I think you still learn cursive as your uh, <laughs> if you're a non-U.S. born player. Kristen Williams has um, her signature is in cursive, and uh, Aubrey Griffin, who is no longer. Or Aubrey, who is no longer playing, at it, least for now, because she's she's injured. But it's not even so much the cursive as that they don't learn. It's writing longhand at all. There's so little need for it. Yeah, everything is typed. Even even typing on a laptop, as I do on a, on a QWERTY keyboard, is probably uh, obsolescent. And and you know, thumb just yeah. Thumb typing on, on your phone is what, what it's all about. The cursive signature has gone the way of throwing a ball. You just don't learn how to do it anymore. It's, 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 it's at the very least, it's endangered like fruited candies. <laughs> I will take a picture of this today. I'll post it on our Instagram at ball and chain pod. Um, 
because it was just it was just interesting to me to see this and and I had somebody gosh where was I it might have been last weekend and somebody came over and showed me a t-shirt that was signed by members of my Yukon team you know 25 years ago and it's what's striking is even though many of the signatures aren't legible I know exactly whose belongs to who because everybody's signature was unique then. And so um, whether it was Pam Weber or Jennifer Rosati, just the shape of it is almost its own artwork. The shape of it, oh, I know that that's Jen. I know that that's Kim Better. I know that that's Pam, Pam Weber. And um, versus this, where in terms of visually, the printing, it all looks the same. There's nothing that there's nothing that is has any kind of art to it, but um, yours is is. I mean, let's let's be let's speak fine. frankly. Yours is not neither legible nor particularly artful. Yours was clearly it's distinct. Yours was clearly. Uh, I, I imagine it's different. Your autograph is different from, say, when you signed a paper for school in high school. I imagine right. that was more legible. This is more. You're signing across an NYPD sawhorse outside of. MSG in the dark as you pass somebody, right? Which was which was your style, by the way, to to, to just, sign to just, horses? No, to sign. <laughs> which uh, which version no. of I don't I don't know no, no, the no, sitcom I, are you in where I'm I, signing? Where, where, no, you're you're walking, you're walking past sawhorse. you're walking past the security cordon and and you just with a sharpie you just kind of uh, uh, make a scratch on somebody's paper, but you miss the paper and actually just swipe their 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 new. A designer dress, but you don't care. You're moving on. That's sort of the circumstances in which you learned to uh, your your autograph signature versus your legal document signature. Although they're now one and the same. Now, now your signature is is a vaguely uh, my signature is actually very different from my document signing signature well, because I, when I when I sign something for basketball, the logo goes right. underneath the Rebecca. But, There's a space but, for the number. But what I, what I think is weird. For instance, when 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 you sign your taxes, when you sign uh, uh, your will, when you sign uh, sort of documents like that, when you add the number fifty and the HOF, okay. I just think that's a little, <laughs> that's a little, a little over, over the, the top. top, yeah. And yet you insist on doing it. Can you imagine if I like? I don't I think was you actually... have to imagine. I, I assure you, there are athletes who do that. <laughs> There's no way. Just just reflexively, absolutely. No. I was I was I wrote out a couple checks today for bills that needed to be paid that we can't do electronically, and um. And can you imagine if when I'm si if I was signing the check and then wrote H O F seventeen afterwards? <laughs> John three sixteen on your um, yeah. taxes. I'm sure people do that. Well, maybe. Let's get to viewer mail, shall we? Le let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Um, okay, I'm reading these cold, both literally and metaphorically, since it's freezing here in the basement, and I haven't read these. They have not been vetted, Re Rebecca, uh -oh. for your uh, for your protection. They've not been sanitized for your protection. Do they still do that? They don't do that in hotels anymore. The toilet has been sanitized for your protection. Remember, there used to be a paper ribbon around the seat that says this has been, maybe you don't remember. No, no, I do remember. That. I, I'm sorry. I was just starting thinking earlier, I talked about how I started the NCAA press conference. I actually started it when I went up on stage and like the previous person had introduced me or said something and I grabbed the microphone and I said, has this been sanitized? And um, no one laughed. <laughs> I said, okay, well, they, COVID jokes too soon. Yeah, too soon. 
But the, but the, the the toilet would have the paper ribbon, and you would you would always take a giant supermarket uh, yeah. scissors and and cut it and declare this toilet open. Right, exactly. At any holiday in in America. Dear Stephen Rebecca writes Scott. I was running the clock at a Connecticut high school boys basketball game the other night. The normal clock had blown a fuse, so we were using a portable clock placed on the scorer's table. Always good to have a backup clock, Rebecca. Yes. We keep one in the car. Yes. The janitors used a long extension cord to power the portable clock. Near the end of warm-ups, I noticed that the clock wasn't working. I followed the extension cord back to the outlet and found that a cheerleader had unplugged the clock in order to charge her phone. <laughs> I was happy that occurred before the game and not during it. How That's uh, perfect. I, I like Did he the, have to put in a che- the cheerleader? <laughs> well, I mean, he's that just, just, he's makes just the describing story that what much happened. Sure. The portable clock does not show tenths of seconds, which led to the visiting coach yelling at me for being a homer and for having an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> I mean, there, there is no, there was, there was no, uh, nothing goes uncomplained about in in a. In youth basketball, high school basketball, or, or any this other form of the game. Me, a couple of weeks ago, our daughter, it was their last home regular season game. And one of the dads of a, of a manager came over to me and said, would you be able to keep the clock? Because his daughter, who normally keeps the clock, had to had to leave um, for a retreat. And so I, kept, I did the clock slash scoreboard for the first time in a high school game. And it is a little bit nerve wracking. So I even said, the, the officials I knew, so I said, all right, so, you know, remind me, high school rules on a free throw, you know, when does the clock start, this, that, and the other. And they said, just look at our arms. When our arms come down, that's when the clock starts. And I was feeling pretty good about myself because I was working the scoreboard till the second quarter. It's like a minute into the second quarter. And this little freshman, I think, comes over to me, Mrs. Russian, Mrs. Russian, it still says quarter one. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's... I've I've been crushing it over here, but I forgot to change it from quarter one to quarter two. What, so she showed me how to do In those games, it. when you have to post the fouls, team yep. fouls on the board, mm-hmm. uh, your mind drifts and... periodically during the game. And, and, and I think you're you're I think you can get away with at least one 15 seconds of time continuing to run after the whistle or 15 seconds of not starting the clock See, on there, was, there was none of that. I had my finger on the pulse slash clock the entire time. But doesn't but, but doesn't had, don't you start wondering about the lyrics to that song from 1987 and then and then you're sort of no wake up and it's and something has happened no and I Just also me? had the um, alternating possession arrow so sometimes I would have to have both fingers working at the same time because when they'd inbound the ball I'd start the clock with one and switch the possession arrow but um, of course that's not the, the official other. the official possession arrow is is is, is the official groping his own pockets for right. whatever talisman he has in there to remind him of which which right. oftentimes is in the wrong pocket and and he has to remember as he facing the scorer's table which which direction is which right right it was um the the good thing about it is it kept my cuz i was so focused on not screwing up the clock it kept my like temperature completely even yeah you know i wasn't you know getting frustrated with the officials. I wasn't, you know, getting nervous in my stomach for our daughter when she was on the court. There was none of that. It was just, you have to, I've got to keep maintain impartiality. Yes. Yes. Uh, Near the end of the first quarter, one second was showing on the clock, and the visiting team was inbounding the ball under the opposing basket, writes Scott. So we so repeat you, that part, please. Near the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. okay, one second was showing on the clock, mm-hmm. and the visiting team was inbounding the ball under the opposing basket. They oh. passed the ball to half court. Mm-hmm. The ball was caught. The referee put his arm down to signal me to start the clock. 
There you go. There you go. I started the clock and the buzzer went off instantaneously. The coach was quite upset with me and he came over to the scorer's table to express his displeasure. I'm sure I'm sure he expressed his displeasure in just in that sort of, of diplomatic uh, yeah. language. He didn't understand when I told him that there is really less than one second until the buzzer will sound when one second shows on the clock. I love the podcast, Scott, from a CCC town. Thank well, you, Scott. Um, let me throw, but, but can I just yeah, say- Yeah, go ahead. Even if there's less than, even if there's not less than one second on the clock, even if there's one second on the clock, people have become so uh, used to watching NBA games play out in, you know, ten slices of a second that they forget one second, one second is a tiny unit of time. Right, and uh, there it goes; it's gone. You know. So Ball and Chain, the podcast about tiny units. Yes, tiny units. Don, I'm thinking of tiny bubbles. All right. I'm also trying to ignore your uh, thank you nonsense. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's it's one second, and, and you watch the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, and you know somebody's losing by two one hundredths of a second. It's one, it makes it seem like one second is some kind of an eternity. All right. Well, our our, our youngest daughter, our sixth grader. Um, I help coach her team, which is when I can be there, I, I'm there. Um, but I miss a lot of her games, especially on Sundays when I'm covering basketball. But I was at one of her games a couple weeks ago. And there was, I think, six or seven seconds left in the half. Our team had the ball and we had to go to, you know, full length of the court. We don't, we weren't inbounding underneath our own basket. And I said to the girl, and this is a general rule of thumb for kids. I said, said, you have... I think it was six seconds. I said, you can take six dribbles as you're, you know, sprinting six dribbles, and then you're going to need to shoot. That's a general rule rule of thumb. So inbound it to her. And I think the clock was only, I don't know if she could see the clock or not. I don't think she could. I think it was on the other side of the gym. One, two, three, four, five, six. Heaves the ball up almost from a little bit inside midcourt. And there's like two seconds left on the clock. Horn goes off and she comes over and, uh, she said, "I you said I had six, um, six dribbles." I said, "Yeah, you would have, but the dad who's working the clock <laughs> didn't quite work." And right. so I went over to him and I was like, "I wish I would have known that normally it's six dribbles, but with Emmy's dad on the clock, it's right. going to be eight dribbles." <laughs> well, uh, I took our son to that uh, great one of the best high school basketball games I've ever seen. Uh, the number two team in the state versus the number three team in the state. And boys basketball game, and uh, uh, the number two team had a big lead early. The number two, the number three team was the home team, or vice versa. Vice I guess versa. The number yeah, two, the team, number was the two team was the good They went the down guys. big early and uh, came back and won it on a spectacular performance by by um, uh, one of the players on on the number two team, and uh, it was just a great game. But there was a moment in that game where at the end of a quarter. Possibly at halftime, I don't remember. Uh, the visiting team, great team. I mean, really good players. Uh, and I'm sure one of the two or three contenders for the state championship here was dribbling out the, dribbling down the clock to take to hold for a last shot. And there was a big student section. The student section started counting down. You know, at ten seconds, they started counting down five, four, three, two, one, and the kid uh, shot it. You know, at when they got to one, and of course. Uh, the, the ball didn't go in, so uh, the home team got the rebound, and they didn't Probably end up getting shot. Up. Whatever, but yeah, yeah, but he—I'm sure he left 
the court thinking, why would the home team student section be but helping also, us count down the car? That gym has clocks at both ends. I but, mean, but 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 of course, but of and course. They, they they did that at the end of yeah. every quarter and a half, and it, yeah. it only worked once, and it probably only works once every. So Doesn't often. matter if it works once; it works once. Absolutely, but uh, but anyway. Well, um, that th- that made me remember our youngest had a playoff game, playoff game in her travel league this past weekend, and, and the team lost. And it uh, again, sixth grade girls, and in the gym, um, in the front row of the bleachers was a sixth grade. I'm assuming sixth grade. It looked up, that's what they look like. Boys team, who were not only there cheering for the girls. This was an away game, so it wasn't our fans. Not only cheering for the girls, but had pom poms. The team is blue and white. And these you had 10 sixth grade boys with pom poms cheering for their girls team. And what made me think of it is they did that once when we had the ball and they started counting down and I, I just started yelling, ignore him, ignore him. And fortunately our girls didn't fall for it. Um, although <laughs> maybe they wouldn't have gotten a shot up anyway. But um I was I said at the beginning of the game to one of the other coaches, a dad, I was like, How awesome is this? This has already made my day that there's ten boys over there, eleven and twelve years old, holding pom poms, cheering for their female counterparts. Um, that was pretty cool. Female counterparts. Female sounds counterparts. like a sounds <laughs> I like, know. Uh, um uh, oftentimes, maybe more often than not, kids up through high school when they're told to hold for a final shot anyway, will still shoot with 11 or eight or nine seconds left. Always, almost always, with enough time to give the team, yeah. the other team, another shot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's hard out there. Uh, our next viewer mail comes from uh, uh, Myra. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. So many things in the hey, last- Hey, Myra. Hi, Myra. It's been a little while. So many things in the last couple episodes reminded me of other things that I couldn't resist making an enumerated list. Are you ready, Rebecca? I'm ready. This is outlined. One. A discussion of athletes and smoking ought to include the following. 1A, the iconic Sports Illustrated cover of Dick Allen in the dugout juggling baseballs with a ciggy dangling from his mouth immediately came to mind. Yes, shot by the great John Iacono and um, uh, 1972, I want to say. 1B, the old sepia photos of Tour de France cyclists lighting up post-ride are another classic. So many um so many images because we talked about uh, uh, Len Dawson firing mm-hmm. up a heater uh, at the Super Bowl. Two shoelaces. Oh, shoelaces, Rebecca. By the way, I've been doing the bet. Is it better bow? Better bow. I think it was the yeah. last couple games that I've been able to go to where it our daughter works. has played. I've done the better bow. It works. It works. The shoelaces do not come untied. It's I can't believe my eyes were this age before they were well, open to this. As long as you learned it at some point, it's, right. it's a beautiful thing. 2A, just curious. I'm not well versed in the specifics of basketball shoes. Are the round laces only on women's shoes? Due to the extreme sexism of sports and sporting gear from my youth, I can't seem to get past my skepticism concerning women's gear, not adhering to the concept of form following function to the same degree as men's. I believe uh, men's shoes also have s- some of the uh, round laces. Yeah, it has nothing to do with... Um Though, I, though, if they're men's shoes or women's shoes, I understand Myra's skepticism. Yeah, yeah, no, it has nothing to do with that. Two uh, B. Rebecca was wondering. Uh, Rebecca was wondering about any possible lo- logical reasons for round laces, and mentioned hiking. I can't see that there would be any reasons for that. Even better, the laces on many styles of Salomon hiking and running shoes don't tie. The laces on their patented quick lace system in quotation marks, are attached to a little gizmo. You pull on the laces to the desired tightness and slide the gizmo down, then it holds the laces there. 
No tying, no knotting, and laces stay tight and secure. I've been wearing them for years and never have to readjust or retighten after hours on foot. I don't know if shoes for other sports use a similar system, but it seems they could. It would seem that shoelaces would be ripe for disruption, as the nitwits in Silicon Valley say. Yeah, I think I think the thing with basketball that's a little bit more unique is that, first of all, they're high tops for some. And secondly, you have to really loosen them. Like I was a player who had my ankles taped and sometimes in addition to the tape would wear ankle braces. And so that completely changes how loose or tight you need to tie your shoes or how loose you need them to be in order to get your foot into them. So I don't know if that kind of technology would work on a high top that you might need to be very loose in order to just put it on. What about the sort of ratcheting buckle you get on on cycling shoes or ski the boots sometimes? T- 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 yeah. Like uh, you're talking about like biking. Yeah. That would yeah, not be I, don't, I don't think that would be safe on a basketball shoe. <laughs> Three palindromic numbers. 3A, for those who like palindromic mileage, do you also like other numerical patterns? So far, I've managed to keep one eye ahead and have avoided crashing while anticipating an upcoming pattern. I like sequential numbers like... 34.56 cyclometer miles, 34.56, or same numbers like 88,888 odometer miles. Or my favorite is when it's 12.34.56 in the afternoon, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Who, uh, you know, the the shot, the the uh, scoreboard that uh, Scott was referring to in the previous viewer mail mm-hmm. didn't have tenths of a second, but Myra evidently has has uh, hundredths of a second on her clock. She likes it when it's 12.34.56 in the afternoon. Is she- Or on her watch, maybe? Is she operating the, the atomic clock in- I don't uh, know. I don't know. Is she on the prime meridian, do you suppose, in Greenwich? I don't know. You don't know? Mm-mm. Well, we'll see in her signature, perhaps. Uh, 3B, I believe this email will be read on palindromic episode 202. Ah, yes. There you go. Four, finally, review of Smucker's sugar-free breakfast syrup. I've tried the little packets at hotel breakfast buffets and determined that syrup is not a foodstuff that should be a part of efforts to reduce sugar consumption. I would say amen to that, Myra. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some sugar-free things. Sugar-free... Sugar-free gum is fine. What about sugar-free fruited candies? Sugar-free chuckles? I bet those would be bad. I think chuckles are almost entirely sugar. That's their appeal, right? Yeah. Along with some kind of a food dye? Sugar food dye, sugar syrup, corn syrup. Yeah, yeah, you can't desugarize those. You know, speaking of that, you well, uh, I'll save that. Um, Sign Myra, a uh, ball and chain completionist and resident librarian. Rebecca, would you like to get her vital statistics? Uh, of course I would. Oxford comma, yes. Dimensions, height, 62 inches. Can you translate that for me? No, but it's not very tall. 5'2", I believe. Mm. 157 centimeters. Wingspan, 63 inches, 160 centimeters. So wait, what, how many, what, what was her height in inches? Height was 62 inches. And wingspan, wingspan, 63 inches. Oh, she's built like a baller. Built like a baller. L- long arms. Yep. Well, that's, that's relative a, to is that, is that what, like Ford, Ford Trucks uh, uh, slogan or something? What's that? Built like a baller? I think so. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, foot size, eight-ish. Normal shoes, 39 European. Athletic shoes, 40 to 41 European. And finally, she says my her meaningless BMI is twenty one. Don't even know what that means. You know, we, we, we said we said BMI no, no, no. is meaningless right, because right, right. I um, I'm just saying I don't have any perspective on BMI because I think it's kind of a crock. But uh, well, uh, comp- when, when measured against a 160 centimeter wingspan and a 40 to 41 European athletic shoe size, right. it's, it's full of meaning. I think we should ask people to start including their head circumference, their hat size, their hat size. Mm-hmm. Finally, 
the notorious DGS. Our double OBGYN. Didn't we have another nickname for him? Yeah, you were recently? talking about this recently. What I, was I, it? I can't remember, but perhaps it'll come to me um, next we, week. I mean, we talk about and think about Dr. Gary Siegel, even when we're not doing the podcast. If only we could remember what it was we were thinking about and talking about. Well, let's see what Dr. Gary Siegel is thinking about and talking about this past week. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Gary Siegel, I began typing away in a quiet house at 10 a.m. Central Time in New Orleans, where a mere 15 hours ago, pandemonium reigned. By the way, we record this on Fat Tuesday. Oh, that's right. It is Fat Tuesday. It is Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday uh, when this drops, as the kids say. The kids don't even say that anymore, as the kids used to say. Mm. Not even, they didn't even used to say that. I don't know. Two grandparents, four millennials, and two toddlers after Mardi Gras parades were not a pretty sight. Was not a pretty sight. That that sounds like the start of a joke. Uh, and perhaps in New Orleans, it could have been two grandparents, four millennials, and two toddlers walk into a bar yeah. on Bourbon Street. Right. Although all had fun, I am now continuing this note from home some ten hours later, as the day slipped away during travel from New Orleans to Atlanta, including landing at five p.m. and living an hour away from the airport in rainy Atlanta traffic. Now. Do you think they flew Delta or do you think they flew Southwest? I'm guessing Mrs. Siegel got the tickets and they went Southwest. That's my guess. I, I, I think Atlanta to, to New Orleans sounds super Delta-ish, but who knows, right? Maybe I'm thinking of because New Orleans is on the Mississippi Delta for which Delta Airlines was named. Perhaps that's well, what Well, Atlanta it, to anywhere sounds very Delta-ish. But, but still. it sounds doubly Delta-ish oh, when you're I, flying to, to the, the Mississippi Delta. Delta. Gotcha. But of course, yes, but Atlanta anywhere is Delta-ish. The family-friendly Mardi Gras weekend was indeed fun, and we were fortunate to be with our two children's families and many of their millennial friends and families. It is a time where people come together and another set of grandparents who lived quite close to St. Charles Avenue. The parade route and the street on which the streetcar runs had a nice open house with plenty of food and drink, as well as toys and screens for the little ones. We can't wait to go back next year and truly the parades with floats of people throwing trinkets to the crowd, school bands and dancing groups of all shapes, sizes and dress have to be seen to be believed. Well, yes, uh, Dr. Siegel uh, demurely talks about people throwing trinkets to the crowd as as groups dance in all shapes and sizes. Um, that is Mardi Gras. A couple of notes do follow. One, just as Steve alluded to, a Fresca commercial seen during Super Bowl one. I. I have a two-liter Fresca nearby as we bought it for our daughter when she visited recently for a friend's wedding. According to her, it goes well with lime and tequila, and there is a picture attached as well. And indeed, here is a two-liter bottle of Fresca. I would think uh, Fresca would taste best in a in a in a can with a pop top with a pull tab. Does does the font on that look just like San Pellegrino, or just because I'm across the room? I, I I think it does. I think you're right. Good eyes. Two are the Russians and friends playing Wordle daily. Viewers are curious. Doctor Siegel. Uh, two of the Russians are playing Wordle daily. That would be me and our oldest daughter. Our our second oldest daughter was also playing it daily, and she has bowed out, though she's still in the in the group text. So um, because Wordle comes out at midnight Eastern, I usually get a shared Wordle from our daughter at like 12, 13 a.m. because she's still awake in her room doing God knows what. What's a shared Wordle? What's a shared Wordle? Well, yeah. Wordle is a word game. Right. It's sweeping the sweeping the right. planet. Guy sold it to the New right. York Times for seven figures. Um, it takes a couple of minutes to play. And um, most people probably have heard of it by now. 
but you can share it. You can share your result via text or social media. It doesn't, the, the, the answer doesn't show up. Just but, your score shows no, up? No, just your, the, the green and yellow t- tiles. So, so you're playing the same one if somebody shares it with you. There, it's a way of sharing how you did without spoiling the, the answer for okay. somebody. So, so anyway, um, I usually do that first thing in the morning and, uh, and so far, I've, I've, you get six tries, so it's not exactly rocket science. But has uh, our daughter ever beat you? Well, there's, there's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, gotten in fewer guesses. I've never not gotten the wordle. Uh, a couple of times, I've gotten it on the sixth try, but it's, it's, it's sort What's of the mathematically tries you've gotten it in two. I mean, to get it in one try, you would have to guess a five letter word completely out of the blue. It would be, okay, it would be just a stroke of luck, but. Uh, so yes, Dr. Siegel, two of us are playing Wordle. Rebecca, as you can tell, is, is obstinately and, and proudly uh, ignorant of Wordle. I am most likely doing other things first thing in the morning. Yeah, probably less important things. <laughs> exactly. Three, in Formula One news, four noteworthy items come to mind. The race director from last year, when there was controversy regarding the last lap of the last race, as we all remember, has been, well, sacked. There now will be two rotating race directors and VAR, a video-assisted referee, not unlike European football. Second bullet point. Second, uh, we don't. You don't like bullet points. Second, Correct. second slug. By the time we hear this podcast, cars will already be at the circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya, ready for three days of testing. The car design and aerodynamics have been changed this year to encourage closer racing with more wheel-to-wheel racing and less aerodynamic wash in quotation marks behind the car. So nose-to-tail racing can occur without the following car losing downforce or wearing out its tires with a Y prematurely. Don't you love this, Rebecca? This talk of F1 car talk. Talk F1 to me, of, please. Of, of uh, downforce and wash. Rebecca, the power units remain unchanged. And he writes, Rebecca, the power units remain unchanged, but each team has new sponsors and new kits. So that means new merchandise for sale. Awesome. Is anybody sponsored by Chuckles? I don't believe so. But I mean, what a what a match made in automotive heaven because you have Evil Knievel. Right. Um, uh, god of, of, of motorized vehicles and, mm-hmm. and uh, chuckles. Lastly, there are strong indications that Michael Andretti, son of 1978 world champion and 1969 Indy 500 winner Mario, will be fielding a team in 2024. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Four, the captain, Roger Penske, celebrated his 85th birthday with his team winning the Daytona 500. Austin Sindrick won the race, and the president of Team Penske is his father, Tim Sindrick. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Tim, that is. Okay. Cindric, by the way, is nearly palindromic, C-I-N-D-R-I-C. Five, due to the walking involved to get to and from the parade route, as well as due to my daily cardiovascular exercise, I find myself, for the first time, earning the maximum of $3 in one day for our health savings account. A picture is attached, and Rebecca, just to verify, Dr. Siegel did indeed earn $3, six out of six for frequency, one out of one for intensity, and, and for tenacity, 13,661. I assume that's steps. 13,661 steps. But pretty great. And his uh, a phone battery is at 36%. Or I'm sorry, his watch battery. <laughs> Do you ever look at that? Like if somebody sends me a screenshot of that's anything. That's the first thing I look at. the first thing I look at. Right, is, so how many they bars the do they have? Charge? Well, that, that's his watch. His phone, is, his phone is nearly fully charged. And he has uh, full Wi-Fi. But he has only two of four bars of uh, of 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 uh, what you call it, cell range. Right. But, but, and how Dr. Siegel is this? Yes. I should have, I should have rephrased that. 
but this is so Dr. Siegel, then you would say, how Dr. Siegel how is- How Dr. Siegel is this? His, his, the clock on his phone is European time, is military time, 2003. Oh, if he's a doctor, of, of course. Well, that, that, would, that would explain it. It's, um, what it, does that have to do with being a doctor? Well, don't they- Surgery is like, scheduled for 7.30 a.m. Well, he ba- shows up at 7.30 p.m. born at whatever. Um, so when people send me a screenshot or, oh, well, well, or um, anything- First, first let's ask her actually. Is that, is that somehow med- medicine related, the, uh, the, the, yes, the, the military ask. time? So when people send me a screenshot, and one of the first things I looked at is how look at has how charged their battery is. Oftentimes, and do you ever do this? Just respond to whatever they sent you and say charge your phone, because I do that. I, I think that's what most people do. Okay. Sometimes people post on social media uh, some screenshot from their phone, and most people simply respond to how much or how little battery there is. Right. Almost always, how little battery there is. Right. Uh, finally, after having taken my daughter and her family to the airport this morning for an early flight, writes Dr. Siegel, I had time on my return to make a stop at La Boulangerie, the bakery, where I bought for my other granddaughter one pain au chocolat, chocolate croissant, chocolate croissant, and a croque monsieur, ham and cheese croissant, for her mother, as well as some plain croissants for the rest of us. Bonjour, Gary. <laughs> Bonjour. In, in in the U.S. they say Gary. Over there, there's you know it's Paris and Paris. Gary, we oui, we. Oui. Okay, that's all we got. That's all we. I think it's enough. That's it's too much. So thank you, Denny Gallagher. As always. Thank you to everyone listening. Now, Tom Dick Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.